You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimao of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Hello, folks. I hope everything's good and you are well wherever you are receiving this audio into your ears. I hope everything's good. This is another one that I'm very excited about and I never, ever really thought was going to happen. Of course... I'm starting to say that more and more often these days, so maybe I should start thinking that things are going to happen. But it's all thanks to you folks for downloading the show and tuning in all the time like you guys seem to do. So thank you so much, and if you could please tell a friend. But I won't bore you with uh, any more just jibber-jabber. Well, I will bore you with some jibber-jabber because, you know, I guess that's what a podcast is. But here today is... A man that I've listened to for years, Mr. Eddie Breckenridge from Thrice. And so, you know, I'm a big Thrice fan. We've talked about it a million times. They are the they are the top dogs for me. So to be able to talk with Eddie about all this stuff was a lot of fun. And I think you'll enjoy this episode. He's a great dude. Go check him out. Go check Thrice out if you haven't already. I can't say enough good things about their music and how much it means to me and how how much impact it's had on me over the years. So this was an awesome chat to get to do with with Ed. So here we go. Let's get right into it. Boom. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Tone Mob Podcast, the show about guitar tone and the people behind it. I'm your host, Blake Wyland, and with me today, I have Eddie Breckenridge from Thrice. How's it going, man? Hello. I'm, I'm, I'm good. Awesome. Uh, considering everything that's going on right now, I'm, I'm doing well. Right. Yeah, same. Same here. Yeah, yeah. that's good. Well, my listeners know uh, that this is obviously really cool for me because... You guys are my favorite band, and so it was awesome to uh, yeah. get to hang out with you guys uh, when I interviewed Tepe and ended up hanging out with you most of the time, which was a real treat. So I'm glad we yeah. finally got around to doing this. This will be this will be fun. Yeah, I'm pumped. I always like nerding out about this kind of stuff or just talking about it, kind of picking my own brain sometimes, or or your or your brain, of course. Yeah, you whatever you whatever <laughs> brain needs picked, we'll pick it. We'll, we'll dig in there. So, you know, I know you're, you know, you're, you guys have done a lot of interviews over the years, kind of explaining your backstory and whatnot. So I don't know if I want to get into that as much as I normally do, but maybe, okay. maybe what would be interesting for the nerds that listen to this podcast and for myself would be to kind of tell your story through your, your gear. How it, what did you start with when you guys were first playing and, what are you playing now? I know some of it's the same, but not all of it. Yeah. Um, shoot, this 
this this is a long tale. That's good. We got a lot <laughs> um, of time, so no worries. So yeah, when I first started playing, uh, going I guess going into the story of the band a little bit is um, I met Tepe skateboarding, and uh, he was friends with Dustin, had been playing music with him, and um, just through skating, we, we were talking about music and found out that we had similar interests in music. Um, and they were talking about starting a band and I had like a classical guitar and I think maybe some sort of a Yamaha electric, like one of those ones that you get in like a, a pack with an amp and a pick and that whole deal cable, Mm -hmm. just a guitar though, not, not a bass. So I like, I could put my fingers on strings and, and make things make sounds, tried to learn a couple like of the classical parts of Metallica songs and stuff, you know, like the, so like injury of fade to black or, uh, sanitarium or I don't know, just, just, you know, like songs like that. Yeah, um, totally. When we were talking about it, they were like, Oh yeah, we're looking for a bass player. I was like, Oh, I could, I could borrow my brother's, uh, brother's bandmates. Cause Riley, my brother who plays drums in thrice, um, was playing in a band with some friends at the time he had started playing drums after he had a knee, knee injury, um, in high school. Uh, so my first bass that I played was his, I think it was a Mexican jazz bass, um, through some sort of like Squire guitar amp. So some sort of mini, you know, little, like 10 inch, 15, nah, 10 inch speaker, uh, solid state thing. Right. Um, so I had that for a bit, borrowed his and like, I think I might've gone over to Tepe's house and like tried to play along with what they were doing, which is actually really difficult for me. Um, when we first started, cause I couldn't play and then listen to other people play and play in time. <laughs> I understand um, the struggle. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, I guess that was, that was probably in like 97 or 98, 97 for sure. Actually, um, it was before the band was a band. Um, and then when it became more of a real thing, I went to a a local music shop and got one of those Ibanez sound gear bases. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like that's a pretty common starter instrument for people. Definitely. Um, and I had that up until we played our first show. And then I was like, this sucks. <laughs> I just didn't <laughs> like it. it didn't. <laughs> um, but a couple of the bands that I really liked had Music Man basses. And I had been saving up money and I ended up buying a Music Man, which is like a huge, huge expense. I mean, that's like, that's like a big, big buy. It was a Music Man Stingray. That's a big upgrade. <laughs> Yeah. Um, which is awesome. And it just got me, I just went all in. I started like watching all the videos that you can like the VHS videos that that you can get of like bass players. It's like, I think it's something like bass player magazine puts out or something. So it'd be like Billy Sheehan who played in Mr. Big, who's like a shredder. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just started nerding out about 
how to play and what to play um, and had that music band for a while. Um, should I keep going? I mean, there's, there's a lot. I, I mean, here. yeah, let's go. This is good. Okay. Okay. This is great. Okay. So then I went from a music man. I think I ended up getting another jazz bass after that. Um, like a regular Fender. Was, it was a Fender Deluxe. So we had recorded, I with the Music Man, I recorded both our first EP, which is called First Impressions, and then our first uh, like full length, which was actually like two, two recording sessions because we were funding it ourselves. We didn't have a label. Um, um, For Identity and, Crisis? Uh, or something. Yes. Like. Yes. Or, okay. Yeah. For identity crisis. Um, and then there was like a, a local record store that ended up putting it out before, uh, hopeless subsidy picked it up. Um, but we recorded with a bass player who was a recording engineer named Paul Miner who mm -hmm. played plays in death by stereo. I think he still played. I, I'm pretty sure he's back in the band now, but he was so good. And he like got me into like iron maiden so I was like digging on Steve Harris, nice. but I had already had this jazz bass, this uh, deluxe jazz because he played a deluxe P, but I didn't really think about the difference. I was like, Oh, it's a deluxe. It's good. And, um, and then I noticed that Steve Harris had the P bass and I was like, shoot, maybe I can put a P bass pickup in this <laughs> jazz bass. So I ended up having like the local guitar fixer upper do this guy named TR Tom Reiser. He's like a TR guitars is his uh, guitar repair thing in, in uh, orange County. He ended up putting up, putting up. So it's a JPJ basically. Okay. Which is a bananas. Um, didn't sound that great. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that was my base for a while until I sold it to, a, to another guy. I ended up getting a GNL because, uh, who was, oh, because I was big into hot water music. Like and, everyone. Uh, Jason Blackburn. Yeah. And he played a GNL. I think I played that on The Illusion of Safety, that record. Um, I don't remember what, I think I was, at the time I was playing once, once we started like playing shows like that and we were doing illusion of safety and whatnot. Um, I was playing an Ampeg SVT two, mm -hmm. um, which is basically like a, a SVT classic with a built in EQ. Like it has like a multi-band EQ thing on the front. Oh, cool. It's like rack rack mounted. And then from there, we ended up, uh, what happened? We toured with Face to Face. And I ended up getting a P-Bass, which I still have today, which is like I've used on tons of recordings. Um, oh, I'm trying to think of the timeline. The timeline seems a little bit screwed up here, though, because... I think before illusion of safety, I got that P bass, but I did record some of the songs 
with a GNL. <laughs> but when we recorded Illusion of Safety, we recorded with Brian McTernan, who introduced us to Caven. Uh, and then there's Caleb Schofield, the bass player of Caven. It's like one of my, you know, everything. Tone. Uh, I mean, I try to play as melodically and cool as he he did um but it was that that introduced me to the grabber bass i was wondering when that was going to come is, into the timeline yes yes for some reason is, that i thought it was much earlier than it was so this is interesting. no no this this is probably like 2001 or two okay 2000 um, okay that that makes sense that's close to the time where I started becoming aware of you guys was around then. Okay. And so actually it had to be 2001. It had to be 2001 because we toured with Caven and we had, we had already recorded illusion safety by then, but it just wasn't released because, um, hopeless slash subsidy. I always say that because subsidy is like a small imprint on, on hopeless. Mm -hmm. Um, they, they picked up identity crisis, but wanted to like sell it for a bit before we released illusion of safety. So we ended up sitting on illusion of safety for a bit, but playing with some of the songs live. Um, and then, yeah, us touring with, with Caven, I was playing a P bass, but by the end of that tour, I was I was ready to have a grabber. <laughs> <laughs> what is it about um, the grabber that you like so much? I know you've talked about this a million times, but not to my people. Yeah, um, it's inter it's 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 an interesting sound. It's similar to a P bass, um, and then you get like um like a growl. Like if you're using a, I mean, I guess you could get it with your fingers, but if you're using a pick, you can get this really growly tone, especially if you're pushing the amp a little bit, um, like slightly distorted, not like fully distorted, mm -hmm. but slightly distorted. Um, it just has similar to a P bass growl, but then the top end is like notch down into the the mids like the more like centered mids a little bit more so it's darker than a p bass is um but it also it in it like in that it's dark it also gives it a little bit of like an old school kind of like full like shovey low end mid kind of sound like I'm trying to think of of a band that like a, a classic band that would be what I'm talking about. I mean, it, I know these things are hard and to even describe. like so, so, <laughs> so, something like, 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 uh, the tone of like a band like cream or something rather than like the tone of like Chris Squire of yes, where it's like growly, it's like growly, but it's more of like a top end growl. It's somewhere yeah. in, in between the, in between the two, which our sound guy actually says like, it, it, it has like a, like a shove to it. Like when I hit the note, it will like actually like push air in a way that, that other bases don't like other ones will like be like a low end, 
like they'll kind of like make your butt rumble, but this one will like kind of like hit you in the chest. Um, I get that. I, I know what you're I, talking about having listened to you play it a lot. <laughs> so, all right. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I love it. And they that. don't, they don't, they don't play particularly well. Like you can set them up to like feel really good. But like if I were going to play, you know, a, a bass for like feeling awesome in my hand, um, I don't know if I would go with the <laughs> go go with the grabber, but um, I'm I've built a couple since um, more to like how I want it to feel, and I can get it to be that way. But the originals, like I don't know, they weren't like particularly like comfortable to play. They just sound super good. We might need to even they're they're kind of obscure. We might even even mm -hmm. tell people they're made they're a bass made by Gibson. A lot of people might not even yes. know what we're talking about. Yeah, I didn't even mention that. Yeah. yeah. What when were the originals produced? Do you know? I think it's like or I think mid seventies to mid eighties or early eighties. Oh, for a little, um, little I think it was kinda like a ten yeah, it was kinda like a ten year period and I think don't don't quote me on this, but this is what I've heard. Uh, <laughs> that it was kind of like the like the Gibson like budget base. So it was like there wasn't a lot to it. It wasn't made with like super nice woods. Um, but it was just kind of like here is you know here's a base. And and the, the other thing that's unique about it is it has a sliding pickup in it. So you can, you know, you can slide the pickup towards the bridge or have it, uh, closer to the neck. And as you do that, um, closer to the neck ends up being a little bit louder and a little bit like, like the, the low end drops out or not the low end, low end jumps up a little bit and the high end drops out. Mm -hmm. Um, and if you put it toward the bridge loses a little bit of volume and it also ends up being a little bit more uh, punchy and bright which is why yours is taped about in the middle <laughs> i noticed i i have it different for different bases to be honest oh, okay. like there's there's certain ones like where like um funny enough uh, i have a, an original grabber it's like a wine red kind of color and i use that for a lot of our uh, drop tune songs mm -hmm. um well extra drop tune because we're all d standard sometimes we drop c um, and then our drop tune stuff, the guys play baritones, but I play a bass that is, uh, like tune standard. Like if it was E A D G, wow, I almost forgot for a second. There. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then you, you drop tune the E to a, to a drop A. So it's A A D G. Gotcha. Um, so I'll use that for songs like the earth will shake and fire breather um, uh, any, you know, any of the ones where it's just like super, super low, usually, usually a low a note will be like droning through, not droning through a lot of it, but that'll be the, you know, the bottom floor of what everything hits. So a lot of the songs are, are built around that. Right, right, right. One thing is kind of interesting that, uh, you know, go back to the skateboarding thing. I, you might find this interesting. Tepe, Tepe was surprised. The very, very first time 
I ever heard of you guys was actually in an ad in Slap Magazine. There was oh well yeah there was a there was a ad that I'm assuming Subsidy ran, and it had a couple different band you know album covers in it with a little blurb about the band, and Identity Crisis was in there, and it was it was like I was like huh that sounds interesting, and I kind of remember the blurb even I don't know why I don't remember it exactly but it was like. The dynamics and emotion of hardcore with the melody and harmony of pop punk. And I don't know why that stood out to me because I didn't even really know what any of that meant at that point. I was pretty young. Uh, And I was just like, oh, that looks interesting. And and I didn't I didn't actually I wasn't old enough to like go to the record store by myself or anything at that point. I think I was like 12 or 11 or something. Um, Well, I don't know exactly how old I was, but but then. Like I yeah. fast forward a couple of years later and so- someone was like, have you heard this band thrice? I was like, well, I have heard of that band before and I couldn't. <laughs> and so put it in and then that was just like, it was just it for me, but it was kind of a weird time. It was like around when, um, like artists in the ambulance came out like really, okay. really close like to 2003. That. Yeah. Somewhere in that ballpark. Yeah. And then I've, then I found, identity crisis because i recognized the cover from the magazine and jammed on those like constantly and then somebody was like hey you know that there's another one i was like there's another one (laughs) i I didn't even know that there was and i I was like this is a weird jump you know like i thought it was a weird jump between the two sounds but i enjoyed both records and then once i got illusion of safety plugged in the middle there i was like oh this all makes a lot more sense now like oh so you so you went from identity to uh artist in the ambulance yeah and then jump back oh, okay okay yeah so i i was yeah there, someone was like yeah you know there's another one there's a one right after uh you know and i was just like oh it was it was just this weird it was a weird progression you know the internet existed but it wasn't really a thing yeah, yeah. like like it is now so like now, if I found found a band I was really into, I would know every record that they put out pretty much. Um, For sure. But then it was this weird time of discovery. Um, but yeah, that was a yeah. weird weird transition. But I thought you'd Crazy, like the, yeah. the slap connection. Tepe was like, I didn't know we yeah, had no. ads in the skateboard magazine. <laughs> That's so awesome. Yeah, Subsidy did a lot of really cool stuff for us. Like our first ads... Um, I think it was when Illusion of Safety came out because Identity Crisis was kind of like a soft release because it was already out, Mm -hmm. but it was just distributed from this like this record store basically or connections that this record store had. Um, But they just kind of like put our put our album cover in um, in magazines, but then didn't really say anything about what it was. So they were kind of just like creating this sense of mystery, which I thought was really cool at the time. Cause like everything else was just like, you got to check this out. It's the coolest next thing or whatever. <laughs> and then this was just like, what the hell is this picture? It's like, uh, the bass player from, um, Oh my gosh, why am I forgetting the name right now? His name's Matt Moss. Um, Oh my gosh, what's wrong with my brain? I have a really bad memory with names. Uh, I know that feeling. Uh, Cold War Kids. Okay. Oh, the, the bass okay. player from Cold War Kids gotcha, did, gotcha, gotcha. did the album artwork 
did the album artwork for Illusion of Safety and Artists in the Ambulance. Um, but he was doing all these really cool pictures and then like flipping flipping the image so you kind of like see it in a weird way that you're not used to. And like, I think like his impact, like his visual impact um, did a lot for those. Um, our introduction to a lot of people too, because people are like, what the hell? What's going, what is this? Mm-hmm. Oh, I just realized also, uh, I don't think I mentioned that with that red drop tune bass. Okay. What I was going to say is I have the pickup all the way to the neck on that one. Like that's how I like to have it with that one. Cause it's a little bit brighter of a bass overall than my, uh, the brown one that I made. Okay. Gotcha. I just realized I, I said I started tra- talking about the, the drop tuning stuff, but I didn't say anything about my pickup position on that, which is how I segued into it. Well, I probably interrupted with, here's my crazy story about skateboarding. <laughs> no, 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 it's all good. <laughs> so yeah, you, you seem to be a little more like in, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is, this is kind of what Tefe told me. You seem to be a little bit more into pedals and effects and individual things than, than the other guys in the band. Is that an accurate statement? Um, yes and no. Like I would say I technically, I, I, I'm more excited about them maybe, but I'm not, uh, maybe not as technically savvy as like Tepe might be. Mm -hmm. I think he's like really good at like figuring all the details out. I'm kind of like, I kind of go at it like, uh, I can't see the knobs. I can just hear things. Right. <laughs> so I, I don't, I don't really like know how to get there, but I know what I want to get to. So like, I'll just tweak things until, until I find it like compression to me, even though I don't use a compressor on anything, I'm just saying like compression to me is still like a mystery, but I use it when I'm like recording demos, just like tweaking the the knobs for that stuff. But like, I know how to get what I want, but it's more of like a a feel thing than like knowing the technical aspects of it. But uh, I also started building guitar pedals myself like a couple of years ago. So I have learned a little bit more of the technical stuff about, about effects and whatnot. What have you built? So I'm kind of, um, there's a, there's a bunch of schematics available. Um, online from this thing called general guitar gadgets. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't know if it's a guy or a girl, but they, they post, uh, they post a bunch of schematics and like parts lists and stuff like that for some of the, like the older classical classic guitar pedals you can make. So, um, at the time I was actually working on writing music for a record that I play guitar on, uh, this band less art. Yeah, we're um, talking about that too. Yeah, um, and uh, I was, I was also um, my lady and I had moved to a studio apartment up in the Bay Area, and um, I had been doing woodworking stuff when I was down in Southern California, and didn't really have the option to do that up there um, without really investing in like paying for a space or renting it out or. I don't know, a bunch of stuff that I would have had to do. So I was like, oh, maybe I can start fiddling with pedals. Oh, another thing that, that led me into that is, um, so we were at, we were at a school up there 
um, and people would leave stuff in the hallway and somebody left like a, somebody must've been like an electric engineer student. Um, and it was, a like a beginner's electronics kind of book. And I, I started reading it like in the bath, (laughs) 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 um, and, and got super pumped on it and then ended up getting these schematics and rather than buying like the, like a, a kit to build. I just went to like a Fry's electronics, um, which is also kind of difficult because their parts are named like, if you want the same thing that people use in pedals, the parts that they sell are like a different company. So you have to like find equivalent parts. Right. Like really look at the spec. Yeah. It's like what, like you look at what, you know, what transistor they used in like, for example, the first thing that I built was like a, it was like an MXR boost pedal. Mm-hmm. I think it's called a microamp. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, I ended up building that, but finding all the parts I'd have to like Google the, I don't remember the name of the company that, that supplies all the parts to uh, fries, but you have to find the equivalent. So I'd like find each part, find an equivalent, not only for like the, uh, it it would be like transistors or diodes or things like that. But if you want just like a resistor, you know, or a capacitor, you can, you can find that. And it's, you know, the, the value is what you're getting. Right. Um, you don't have to find like a specific thing, but, uh, I got super nerded out into that and would just like sit all hunched over at this desk and solder for hours. And I don't know, it was, it was super fun. I learned a lot about like gain, gain structures and, and how to create them and what distortion actually is. Um, I, I recommend it to anybody that, that likes building things and being nerdy about things. It's a really cool way to learn about what, what your stuff is doing. Yeah, as interested as I am obsessed with pedals as I am, I've still never, never built one, which is kind of weird. You should try. I mean, even if you you get like a kit, um, just being able to like understand, like even in the most rudimentary way, like getting to understand like what is happening in the schematic just by building it, like you you see where the chain is going. Like it's running into this thing and then it hits these, I mean, different pedals do things like different distortions do things different ways. Like some, some distortions you're affecting the signal before it hits the gain section and that'll make it distort a different way. And then some, you know, the clipping of, of the, the signal ends up happening after the gain. So you end up getting like a completely different type of distortion just through that. Um, yeah, it's, it's super cool. Very, it's very, um, it's not really daunting to me in like that. I'm like scared to do it, but I know, excuse me. I know it's going to take me forever to, to actually assemble it. Uh, I'm a, I'm a cyclops. And so, (laughs) <laughs> or, uh, depth perception on small, literally yeah 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 literally i'm actually the monster from mythology um but like my depth perception is not very good especially on small detailed things 
And so yeah. it takes me like I was soldering together patch cables a few years ago for my friend Leon who who runs uh, Pelican Noiseworks. And yeah. that's pretty much as easy as it gets from an electronics building perspective. And it took me so long just because it was like, nope, yeah. I missed. Ah, I missed again. Uh, uh, I missed. <laughs> it was a lot a, a, a lot of that is the gear that you're using too, though. Like you could get one of those. I mean, I probably should use it just because strain on your eyes. But like one of those little like, uh, it's like a swiveling kind of uh, arm thing that has a, a magnifying glass. Oh yeah, that. Probably and then would also, help. and also the uh, the solder solder whatever the the iron. What the hell? Yeah, the iron, <laughs> my brain. <laughs> um, like getting like a better quality iron will so drastically like affect how well you can solder. It's it's insane. Yeah. Like how and also, ugh, I'm getting way nerdy. This is like that's the what dorkiest the, stuff. But like making making sure that the uh, the tip of the soldering iron is is clean. Mm-hmm. Um. One of the things that I didn't know that if you're soldering that makes things a lot quicker so you don't have to like hold the soldering iron to the wire and the solder is you you actually it's called tinning but you you put solder on the soldering iron alone like not touching it to anything right and then you put the solder next to the wire and then drop that liquid hot solder into the solder that you're holding and the wire and it'll immediately heat up rather than like burning the rubber around the wire and all that. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's a game changer. <laughs> Tinning. Everybody. But maybe most people know that. Yeah. I think most of the pedal builders that listen to this know that, but your yeah, general, okay, okay. Uh, your general guy like me, I, I, I didn't learn that until I was building cables that day. So, yeah, yeah it was it was new to me but yeah it does yep. it does make life a lot easier oh my gosh yeah like insanely yeah um so you, you are very hands-on with stuff so let's talk about the the grabbers that you've built what did you do what mm-hmm. what did uh what's different about them um there's not a lot different um i the first one that I made, um, I ended up getting a grabber base off of eBay. Um, and it had, the body was actually cracked. And if you like pushed against it, you could, it would, the body, like the crack would kind of open up. And uh, I ended up getting it for like 300 bucks, something like that. And it was kind of, I, I don't know. I don't like, dealing with returns or whatever. I'm that guy that probably gets taken advantage of a lot. Oh no. (laughs) Um, but I was just like, screw this. And I had already, at the time I had already, already like built a base or two, um, two actually, um, which I got into like, you know, out of my parents' garage when I first started playing. Um, I don't know. I, I just, I, saw a book at a guitar store that was like, make your own guitar. And then, I don't know. I just figured it out. I wanted to do it. So I did it. I don't, I don't really know what drove me to do it. I wasn't like a 
I like taking things apart and putting things together. <laughs> like, um, but I wasn't really like a woodworker or anything. Um, but building guitars definitely, I mean, turned me into more like, I mean, I do a lot of woodworking stuff nowadays. Um, so that grabber, I ended up, uh, just taking the pickup out of it and deciding that I was just going to build my own. So I, I measured out all the, you know, the size of the body I ended up buying a neck from Warmoth. It's a company that, that makes like kit guitars, but I ended up just buying a neck, um, and then, uh, how did I do it? I ended up buying the neck and, and, you know, laminating some, it was walnut and mahogany. Um, you just put it together. Uh, it's, it's like four pieces of wood. Basically it's called book matching. You like cut down across the length of a, of a long piece of wood and then you, um, you flip it and have it against itself. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Wish I could show you with, with my hands. I trying to describe it with words is a little bit difficult, but um, yeah, I ended up just building the body and then kind of measuring everything off of the grabber that I had that was busted um, and building my own with a lot of crappy tools. I didn't have a bandsaw. I didn't have, uh, I had the sanding that I did with it was with a drill with a disc sander. Oh, what? <laughs> yeah. Really? Um, I, I cut out most of the body with a circular saw. Dude. Um, and then used a router to, to cut into like the, the, the side profile. And it was, I mean, you can see it if you ever see, I call it the brown base, but it's just, it's basically like a walnut top grabber um it i mean there are parts of it that like are chipped and then i ended up filling it in a lot, a lot of it is, is on the side of the base but um yeah I, I built that one in my parents garage probably in like 2002 oh, oh um, a long time ago yeah uh, and i didn't play it live for years um I brought it as like a backup, but I was, I was afraid to play it because I thought that somehow I had made it in a way that it was all botched. And then I'd start playing it live and it'd just fall apart in my hands or something. <laughs> but it, funny enough, now it's like my go-to and I've been playing it for, I'm, I'm trying to think when I first started playing it, um, consistently, probably, probably not till like 2007 or something like that. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, the first experience I saw of somebody playing it live was not me. We, I learned, like, or having it been played live was not me. It was, um, we were on tour with this band called Veda, or they ended up being called Vedera because I guess there was another band called Veda. Um, we were on tour with them and Underoath and The Bled. I remember that tour. And, yeah, and they had their van and trailer stolen, everything. They lost everything. <sighs> so they ended up riding on our bus and using a bunch of our gear. And their bass player, Jason, um, 
played that brown bass. I was like, oh, thing sounds pretty cool. But like at the <laughs> time I still had my, the first grabber that I got that was this, it was $275. It was, it was an, I mean, it was an awesome deal and I got it. Um, it was from a, a guy that ran a studio, but he got it from this, this vintage uh, or used guitar shop um, in the Maryland, like DC area called Atomic Music. That was that the one that you had uh, at the Roseland there that I noodled on for a second. That was your first. Uh, it's kind of a blonde. No. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That was it. Okay, cool. I was thinking. I was like, I'm pretty sure it's that one. That's the one that I always think yeah. of. Uh, like when I think of you playing bass, I think of that bass. Um, yeah. I mean, I remember that. It's, I remember it's that weird. It very to... well. So like, or like that show rather that at that stop, that was a, that yeah. was a big one for was me and one. my friends. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. I was, I mean, that was, that tour was so fun. It was a good, it was a good show. Yeah. Good vibes. <laughs> it's a, it's actually like, I'm, I'm trying to remember we, yeah, I've been lucky. To, I've caught you since I've become aware of the band. I I've caught you almost every time you've came to Portland, except for a couple times where it was like a an emergency Whoa. or something. So <laughs> I've been following for a while. It was a that's 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 so cool. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's a it. I've been uh, harping on you know, like on this podcast for a long time, and I I know I've converted a, at least a few listeners. Uh, even some that, <laughs> that, that, that <laughs> message you sent me. <laughs> so I, I, Bryce, I thought they were like trained. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Hey, it worked That's out. So good. It worked out. He finally dove. In. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it was just, no, that, I mean, that's so it's, uh, I mean, I don't mean to laugh at the person. Like, I mean, I've made associations like that myself but it's it's just so crazy too because like i always when i think of what people think of what we sound like it's always like oh yeah that like they're like screamo or you know whatever we were when we were doing um illusion of safety or artists in the ambulance but i always think that that's what people think we sound like but we're so we've done so many other things since it's so weird but to hear that maybe we Maybe we're kind of like trained. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, just like name associ some random name association that like that is pretty funny. Yeah. It, it's, I mean, I've, I've definitely done that with things before and then it's like, wait a minute, that's not what I thought it was. Uh, let's, For sure. let's dig into this a little more. So that was cool. But it was, it's yeah. a thing because I, I've talked about you guys on this show so much and I get messages semi-regularly. It's just like, Okay, I've never listened to Thrice. I'm gonna start listening to them because you won't shut up about them. Uh, what, like, where, <laughs> where do I start? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, what, is, you know, like, what are your tastes? What are you into? Because they've done so much, you know, mm -hmm. so many different sounds and vibes that it's it's hard for me to actually even direct people sometimes. Um, me too. <laughs> <laughs> It's like if you were to make like a like a flight of thrice, it'd be like uh, I like a like four songs or something that would like represent us. It'd be yeah, I have a hard be time. Hard. 
was gonna say I have a hard time. I've done it. I've been asked to do it with ten songs before, and I was like, that's almost enough to get a a good yeah. range. But even still, like I had, to, I definitely had to leave out some of my favorites just for the sake of variety, you know, type of thing. Yeah. Do you ever have the thing where I, I I notice I have this a lot where I'm like kind of pumped on something like I'm like yeah this is so cool and then you like show it to somebody but you listen to it with their ears like in mind and you're like oh maybe it's just not really what I thought it was <laughs> or something like that like I do that all the time I'm like ah oh. like it, it's interesting like how much just. Uh, there's so many different types of perceptions of music unless you don't have the same context of like what you like or what, what you enjoy or the history of what you've listened to or why, you know, Oh, this, this is similar to like this vibe or something like out of all those contexts that create like your own brain music, I'm sure sounds totally different to totally different people you know well yeah i was talking about something similar with my wife yesterday where like somebody i was talking to i can't remember who it was they were they were they were like man you just don't get dylan uh talking about bob dylan and i'm like i, mm-hmm. I like bob dylan like i don't not like bob dylan but i i don't i'm not one of those people that think that everything he d- has done ever done is just amazing um yeah and he, you know, his response was, you just don't get Dylan. And then I was like, and then like later he like called to apologize. I do. I remember who it was now, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to like out him. And I was like, I'm not offended. You're, you're right. I don't, I don't understand it in the same way that you do. Like clearly because that, you, you, perfectly enjoy, said, yeah. you enjoy it more than I do in different ways. So saying that I don't get it is accurate because I don't. Um Yeah. Maybe I will someday. I mean, I don't know, but it's a. Yeah. Uh, and I then I was when I was talking to my wife and telling her that story. I was like, I I have artists that I really enjoy that I don't. Ex- I I can understand why somebody wouldn't. You know, I I, I oh for sure. I I could show my dad some Tom Waits, and I think he would like some of it, and some of it he would really hate. And uh, I really yeah. like Tom Waits, so but I understand why some other people wouldn't. It's just different, yeah. different strokes for different folks, you know, type of thing. For sure. The good news is there's so much out there that there's something for everyone. So much. Yep. So you talked about even if it's crap. No. <laughs> <laughs> Your favorite band is terrible, by the way. <laughs> So you talked about Cave-In. Who are some of your other influences? Like on you personally. Um, Wow. I mean, I can... Very few people like bass specific, I would say. Mm. I mean, there's a lot of bass players that I really like, but I didn't really gravitate specifically towards bass. It was more like uh like things that are trying to be expressed but bass players like um there's this guy brian did did gene did john did i don't know brian did did john maybe i don't know (laughs) um he he played bass in 
the band No Knife. Okay. Um, and No Knife just was like a hugely influential band to Thrice as a whole. Um, I think they were doing like when we were like way into hardcore, they were doing something that was very interesting in like a technical and percussive way that I felt kind of um, like made me question actually what it was that I liked about heavier, harder music. And it was like more of like this, like visceral, like attack of it. Um, and, and this band no knife does that, but it's in a really melodic, um, melodic, but also like a dissonant kind of way. Like the songs are more, I hate saying this word, but they're like more, more poppy than a lot of what I guess what I would listen to, but it's not pop. It's more like just this like angular indie music, but the bass playing playing is always playing these super melodic, uh, like drivey kind of bass lines are really like uh, pockety bass lines underneath these guitars that are doing these like kind of stabby, more like angular dissonant kind of things. And it just that, that whole vibe turned my brain inside out. And um, yeah, that, that bass player, Brian, uh, Caleb Schofield from Caven, um, huge, I mean, everything, his bass tone, his, his way of playing, um, his way of screaming, every, everything. He's just so good. Caveman um, is amazing. Yeah. He was so, yeah. so awesome. So good. Um, also Brian Cook from the band Botch. Um, oh man. Also a grab, also a grabber player. Um, at the time he plays, I think he plays for those electric electrical audio and I don't know what like electric guitar company. Yeah. The aluminum bases. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Those are cool too. He plays those now. I've never, I've never actually seen one in real life. Um, I've played the guitar. I've played, or not, they make more than one guitar. I've played one of the uh, guitars. Okay. I played the King Buzzo, you know, signature. Oh, uh, awesome. It, I didn't really, un- I honestly didn't really understand. I, I loved them aesthetically, but I didn't really understand the whole aluminum guitar thing until I played that yeah. one and I was like, Oh, I get it now. This is really cool. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So they're, they're I'm all- going to have to check it out, find a way to check it out. Um, so that, and then also, uh, let me think one other bass player would be, um, Joe Lally for sure. Uh, Fugazi bass player. Yeah, definitely. Um, just, I mean, his brain and the way, another thing where there's like this like visceral thing happening and then he's kind of like laying it down and the way that he interacts with the drums. Um, I don't know that I just love that. But then we'll also say like, there's also a lot of other, um, not, I mean, I was, uh, I ended up taking a, a course in like college as junior college that I went to. Um, it was a history of jazz class and I had, I had been a fan of jazz music, but not, not really. I just thought it was cool. <laughs> I mean, it was like good, like background music, but then when I took this class, um, kind of changed my brain in a lot of ways. Um, 
and I really like fell in love with um uh, there's a I guess he he's bass clarinet player but also a saxophonist and a flute player named Eric Dolphy um his music uh um Bill Evans piano playing um and his sense of melody and uh, space and feel and then i'm going to try and ramp through the next things because i'm talking long about this but uh <laughs> there's a band called talk 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 uh, they were like a pop 80s band and then did these two amazing really like weird post-rock records um one's called laughing stock and the other one's called spirit of eden um that band changed my brain oh shoot and i a bass player that introduced it to me uh, is a guy named Nate Burke that played bass in a band called Frodus, also another one of my favorite bass players. Um, he, if you haven't heard Frodus before, you should check out an album called, um, I think it's called, And They Washed Their Weapons in the Sea, And We Washed Our Weapons in the Sea. I should know this because I've listened to the record 8,000 times. But Didn't you guys do a cover of one of their songs? We did. I, we did it like, on uh, Alchemy super- Index. Okay, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Which song was it's, it? It's like one. It's one of the Earth songs. It's called "The Earth Isn't Humming." Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Yes. This is all coming back. And I ended mind. up playing it on an acoustic guitar with one bass string and a couple super detuned strings. It was really weird. Oh, really? But yeah, yeah. <laughs> Probably like broke the the acoustic guitar a little bit, but it was it was it was fun. That's awesome. I did not they're, know that. They're an awesome band. They were. They were not around for a super long time, but um, they were like uh, peers with like bands like Refused or um, I don't know. They're kind of in that like um, mid late nineties kind of like more spazzy hardcore thing. But um, we wash our weapons in the sea is like kind of them crashing that spazzy thing into something a little bit more melodic and, and epic. And it just, it really resonates. It's, it's, it's a really good record. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, please do. I mean, if you don't hear us influenced by that, there's, there's something wrong. Cause <laughs> that band super awesome. Well, let's see, uh, before we we're getting down to last little bit here but there was some mm-hmm. there was a couple questions from the facebook group i did this thing that sure. i always do where i forget to make a post in there until like just a little bit before i'm recording so no one has time to yeah, actually yeah. read it <laughs> yeah, yeah but there was well, a, we did set this up pretty last minute so yep um but there is uh there's a couple questions in there um, well, there's a couple train jokes cause a lot of people seen that post. <laughs> so there's, uh, I hope that guy doesn't feel bad about that. I mean, it's, it's, I don't think so. He, something that we all do. It's all in good fun. We, we poke fun at each yeah. other in, in there occasionally. It's, it's a good place. Awesome. It's a good group. That's good. Um, Tar- Tavo Garcia Vega. He just wants to know if you remember his buddies from Ember. He said, I was the guitarist in the early beginning in Riverside before they all left to relocate to Reading. So I guess wow. there's some sort of a connection there. Do you remember Ember? I do. I do remember the band name. I don't remember what they sounded like. 
there's a lot of SoCal folks in there, so I figured somebody would probably okay, have okay. a connection somewhere. But that was just kind of a random one. Um, Tavo also builds pedals. Hi. Uh, he makes. Oh, red. Yeah, he makes them under the brand uh, and amps and some other stuff. The Nocturne Brain, and he's been on the podcast before. So. Oh, I'll have to, uh, yeah, I'll check that out. I'll check out the, the episode and any sorts of things that he's building. I, I love. There's a lot of like rockabilly inspired stuff. It's pretty, it's pretty rad. Oh, rad. Uh, let's see. Uh, we, oh, Andrew Spann. Uh, we already talked about the grabber. So there's that. Uh, he wants to mm-hmm. know about the guitar that you modded that you use in less art. I don't know anything about that. So I'd like to know that too. Um, I, well, it's not modded. It's, it's, a it's like a, like a Stratocaster style guitar, but I kind of like, uh, widened it a little bit. So it's like, it's thinner and wider than a normal Stratocaster. And then I ended up build, bulking it up around the neck body joint a little bit more because I believe in some sort of black magic that if you, <laughs> if you have more, more connection in that area, you will, uh, it will help its resonance. I don't know if that's totally true, but, um, so it's like a, it's like a strat. It's, it's like a thin strat though. It's like from front to back. I think it's like, uh, what is it? It's like an inch and a inch. I, I don't know. I could, I should actually measure it. Um, so it's like, it's more like an SG thickness than like strats are pretty bulky i don't know i feel i feel like they are maybe it's because i play grabbers and grabbers are kind of thinner than than most bases but they're also wider that's probably why i ended up doing that to this guitar but um yeah it's it's a weird mixture of a strat a telecaster it has like a telecaster the ashtray bridge with a telecaster pickup mm-hmm. um and it has a strat middle pick pickup pickup not pick. Um, and then a P90 neck pickup. So it's this weird, uh, I call it an options caster. I I mean, (laughs) funny thing as I play it on the middle position a lot with, with less art, um, something just about like the detuned, we, we tuned, uh, it would be C standard or drop a sharp, um, something about single coil chimey strat pickup with the detune stuff. And then we don't really distort that much. It's, it's kind of like clean and break. It breaks up if you play hard. Um, unless there's like a part that calls for something more fuzzy or whatnot. Um, yeah, but I mean, that guitar is fun. It's fun to play. It has, I ended up getting a warmth neck for that as well. It's like a, it's an all rosewood neck. I don't know if it's actually rosewood. Maybe they just say it is. It's like rosewood. So it's like front and back, like um, fretboard and the whole neck. Um, and it's kind of like a, a fat, what, what do they call it? Like a boat. Yeah, like a fi- boat 50 neck. style or something or a baseball bat. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm into that. That's awesome. I really like the all yeah. rosewood necks. I've only played them on Telecasters, but... I really like how they feel and they look cool too. Yeah. So 
That's awesome. Yeah, my, I mean, it's it's like an off-white color with the rosewood neck, and then I make these wood pick guards. It has like a walnut pick guard that I cover with epoxy, so hopefully it doesn't get all scratched up. But um, I, it was inspired by seeing um, Omar from uh, Mars Volta at the drive-in, whatever, at the drive-in was playing shows, and he had one of those Albert Lee music man guitars that was white with a rosewood neck and i was like oh that looks so awesome and i, I was like oh, i need to build a guitar and i ended up <laughs> building that off of that color combo which is funny really cool um let's see most of them a lot of the stuff we've already covered a lot of it was grabber mm-hmm. build stuff that we've already talked about i did a lot of talking <laughs> <laughs> it's a podcast it's what you're supposed to do yeah it's it's true it gets weird when you don't talk that's when it gets weird. Yeah. Uh, oh, Andrew also said, "Tell him he's my favorite bassist. I'll fanboy from a distance if I'm allowed." Lol. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Everything else we already we already touched on, and I'm sure I'll get questions later that if they're really really important, I'll text you, and then we'll, we'll get yeah, just hit me up in. Um, but uh, we're pretty much to the end, and I haven't got into the classic questions and all that. Mm. Before I do that, um, this is kind of your chance to tell everyone anything you want to tell them, like where they can find you or if something's on your mind or blah, whatever you want. This is your, your chance to plug stuff. Um, well, if you haven't had a chance to check out Thrice, please check it out. Uh, I don't know what to tell you where to start, but um, <laughs> Uh, we have a record called palms that came out almost two years ago and we're about to work on, or we are working on a new one right now. We're recording, uh, demos and kind of sharing ideas at the moment. Um, and hopefully someday in not the not too distant future, uh, you come see us live cause that's kind of, I, I don't know. I always listen back to records that we've done and be like, Oh, this is what people think the song sounds like. <laughs> so, uh, the, the live experience is really, I hope, uh, people agree with me, but I, I think it's like where it's, where it's at. So, oh, um, definitely. Uh, yeah. And then, um, probably we're kind of focusing on the thrice stuff right now, but working on less art stuff as well, but that's, kind of secondary because thrice is the main main thing um unless art is a band that i play guitar and and not bass um and that's with uh, a couple guys from this band called kowloon walt city which is like a super awesome band if you haven't had a chance to check them out it's like heavy sludgy like doomy um it's it's rad the the guy that plays guitar and that uh john who also plays in less artists his brain is bananas like the what the stuff that he does on guitar is really cool and the singer is also from a band called curl up and die uh this singer of less art is is in a band called curl up and die that um was a band that we played shows with early on in thrice's career so yeah those are the things i'm doing right now um and I hope that everybody stays safe through this uh, this virus thing. And hopefully if everybody is uh, 
complying, we can we can get through it quicker than than later. So right on, man. Yeah. All right. So we got a couple classic questions, and then we'll okay. we'll we'll wrap this thing up and slide over for a little Patreon action. Um, so the sure. the first one is less controversial. This is I found it's not mm-hmm. that difficult for most people to answer. So this will be interesting. What is your okay. favorite boss pedal? Uh, I actually use one. Um, it's the bass overdrive. It's the yellow pedal. Um, I really like that for very specific things. Since my bass tone is so mid-rangey, um, that thing just adds a crap ton of low end and the sizzle that what my bass tone normally just doesn't have. Um, and I use it for like, we have a song called hurricane and there's a part, um, in the courses where I play chords on the bass and, uh, it just kind of like pushes in a way that's very different. Um, yeah. And I, I really like it. Uh, it's, it's actually a pretty versatile pedal, even though it's kind of like the metal zone of bass pedals. <laughs> um, um, but it's, it's great. Also the metal zone is early thrice favorite for sure. Well, metal zone is, you know, it's a classic. It just gets a oh. bad, bad rap cause it can be a little hard to dial in. That's all. That's oh, all. For sure. It's a great pedal. If you want, I don't know if everybody else calls it this, but we used to call it jump. What? <laughs> like the, the jump, jump was the name of the palm muting sound that you get, and the metal zone was the perfect jump. Jump is, sounds like the the great the grandfather to gent. That must be yes, yes. <laughs> Pre gent is grandpa jump. <laughs> grandpa jump. Somebody needs to draw the character Grandpa Jump and see what he looks yeah. like. That sounds awesome. All right, this is a this is the last question. This is where things get a little dicey sometimes. Okay. So, what is your favorite kind of pizza? Pizza. Mm. Um. Well, I have been vegan for nine years now. So, um, I don't, I mean, I remember what cheese was like, but I, I I probably can't answer that correctly, but, um, I would say, uh, like a marinara pizza, like what's the, what's the style where they cook it super hot, super fast and there's all the bubbles. Is it, um, um, like a brick oven style, like in yeah yeah it's like you're talking like i'm thinking like go ahead like i was gonna like like a margarita or something is that your yeah yeah well i was gonna say a margarita like it's just olive oil the marinara sauce and then like a few like leaves of basil or something on it that's that's my jam you know i've had somebody tell me like that there's very specific margarita pizza and i'm i'm gonna have to remember which episode it was i'm blanking that was like very special. 
And uh, I'm trying to remember. Was it Tepe? It might have been Tepe. <laughs> was it Tepe? I was trying to think if it was Tepe or if it was, uh, if it was I, I haven't put this episode out yet, but with, with Dave Hawes. I was trying to remember if it was him or Tepe. Oh. It might have been Tepe, though. If there's one that you're thinking of that is. Yeah, there's this, there's this spot in new york um it was tepe uh, okay una pizza una pizza napolitana yep and they have that that margarita pizza yeah that's that's one of the best that i've ever had so if you're ever in new york you should go there if it's still open after all this craziness but fingers crossed yeah yeah End it on a sad note. Yeah, let's just end it. Oh, we we did so yeah. good for so. so we, yeah, we did. We did. We just go. We had to go there at the very end. But, <sighs> but hey, stay safe out there, everybody. That's that's all I can say. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for coming on. This was a, a lot of fun. I'm glad we got to do it. Yeah, thanks for having me. For um, sure. So everybody, go listen to Thrice. I've been telling you that for years. You know to do that by now. <laughs> so, all right, everybody. Uh, For Ed, this is Blake, and as always, folks, good luck and good tones. All right, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you had a good time and learned some stuff or took away some stuff. Or if you're as big of a Thrice fan as I am, that that was just a a good old time for you. Got a lot more coming your way. So if you've listened to this point and you've enjoyed the podcast, please share it with a friend. Rating and reviewing is also appreciated, but sharing with somebody that you care about is the most important thing that you could do. And if you would like more of these conversations and you would like to support the show in a big way, in possibly the biggest way that you possibly could, go to patreon.com slash and you will get to hear more of this conversation. Not only that, there's, I don't know, I've lost track of how many at this point, but There's around 80 episodes over there for you of different content. A lot of it is extended interviews with guests. Some of it's good chats with my friend Justin Porter. Some of it's a little bit of demos, like audio-only demos that I really try to put a lot of work into to show off the piece of gear. But lots and lots of more conversation that is very similar to what you're hearing right here on this show. And it honestly helps out a massive amount. So if you can head over to Patreon and support... That starts at just five bucks a month, and you're going to get an extra episode of some sort every week. All right, folks, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, wash your hands, all that good stuff. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for tuning into this. Honestly, it means so much to me that you guys are tuning into this. It's crazy. I can't understate that. It is literally amazing. All right, everybody. Good night. I say good night because it's nighttime over here, but... Good whatever it is. Hope you do great today. Hope you have a great, awesome day. Later. Bye. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things. And by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings 
just for your guitar and playing style. Again, the link for that is tonemob.com stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstreet as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out.